Hello and welcome to Talk the Line. I'm Jen Long. This is the new podcast from the Line of Best Fit, the UK's biggest independent website for new music discovery. You can check us out at thelineofbestfit.com. You can follow us on Twitter at bestfitmusic. And if you want to give me a cheeky follow too, I'm at Jen Long. Here on Talk the Line, we talk to musicians about the things that make them tick. Not about their music, not about the new album they've got coming out, but about the things that they're really passionate about that you don't often get to hear them really, really dwell on. Every week we go deep into conversation for around 45 minutes or an hour with some of the best most interesting artists and celebrities around. And this week I'm talking to Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn was born in South Africa before moving to the UK at the age of two. He then went on to sing treble in the Winchester College Chapel Choir. Uh, He had a music scholarship at a school there, which required him to learn two instruments, and he chose the violin and the trumpet. But he rarely played from sheet music. Instead, he preferred to improvise as he thought it was the most rebellious thing he could do. He actually moved to Wales in his mid-teens to an area that I know quite well where my family are from, uh, a place called St. David's. And then he moved to London uh, in his late teens at the height of new folks, the likes of Laura Marling, Mumford and Sons, Emmy the Great, and was really entwined in that scene, even though its name did make him feel slightly ill. He's released four albums to date. His most recent, Cillian, whose title he described as a crystalline gift of a word, is out now on Transgressive. He's described himself as a country bumpkin, and he caught his initial inspiration for music after buying a copy of the freewheeling Bob Dylan, aged 11, at his school jumble sale. He's also an actor. He's performed Shakespeare on the stage, and he fronts the Netflix original series Lovesick. He's also got a kid, a young son who's at school, so he's a very busy man. But he took time out to talk to me about something that he's really passionate about. He uses the term psychogeography. It's all about walking, about rambling, and about the philosophy of creating your own path. You on like a time frame for this or anything? No, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty free. Okay. I was, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Great, so we can have a... A just long ample not worry about, about it. it yeah okay because i mean the, like your pr Sinead sent the email through saying oh yeah just in, like straight away yeah. but usually when we when we're booking these things in we're like okay what does this person like what are their interests and okay. then they kind of have to dig deep and they're like oh actually i never yeah. knew but they're really interested in X, Y, or Z, and just straight away, <laughs> Sinead was like, psychogeography. psychogeography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, fuck, I've literally never heard, I, I don't know what that is. I've never heard those, mm. that word before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hadn't heard of it as a, like, as an actual name for this thing that I'm into um, until, until quite recently. And Sinead actually presented me with a book called Psychogeography, and I was like, that's it. That's the thing that I like. You know, it's got a name. Um, and there, there's one writer in particular that's been a really big uh, influence um, on me who I like um, uh, uh, like reading and like have become friends with recently so we, we make some uh, voyages and, and talk a lot and um, yeah it's, he's, he's, he's become a really great sort of um, mentor from afar and sometimes in proximity, uh, called Robert McFarlane, who um, he writes books about uh, a number of different things that sort of tie in with each other, um, uh, and they're mostly about um, uh, voyages and journeys, um, often on foot, and um, and sometimes. Uh, that tips into sort of journeys into the mind. And I think his voyages on foot are um, attempts to kind of go into his mind, into his psyche, and and even maybe through sort of ancestral, down ancestral paths that exist within us through um, to us at forebears and people that came before us. And that's in a sort of, in in a, literary and philosophical sense so people that shared those same kind of ideas and um uh, who we've lit our torch from and kind of carried this um uh you know this this burning idea around um 
and 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 quite randomly things that 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 just tie into that way of thinking um bits of writing and and thought and ceremony and um yeah it's a pretty broad topic for me i know we've just taken in a lot in the the opening yeah monologue yeah (laughs) well i think a lot of the people like the the term psychogeography is probably like that's why it only came to me quite um recently because i think it's like a modern um a modern term imposed on it and um uh, and it's a it's a good one because it's it's to do with um yeah it's to do with the physical sort of geological maps but also it's psychogeography so it's like maps and pathways in our mind um and and everything that goes into that but the people that um uh psychogeographers are influenced by um uh, are often people that were writing 100 200 300 years ago who wouldn't have had that term to kind of group themselves within mm-hmm. or label themselves as you know uh, maybe people like as a poet called edward thomas who um uh, was killed on the on the dawn of the battle of arras in 1915 in 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 the first war 1915 or 1917 i can't remember um and and so he's kind of primarily known as a war poet um and and he wrote um, an incredible amount of poems about going off to France and, and going and he was a he was a volunteer um, it was before um, sort of mass conscription and he went up and, and, and he really wanted to go and and, and tragically died um, uh, like immediately basically was the, the you know first time he was posted in battle I think mm-hmm. um, uh, but but what people don't know about him is that um, well they do but it's less known is that he he wrote um, reams of poetry about his um, uh, where he lived in England and the village that he lived in and um, the, his rural landscape and um, had a had a wonderful kind of lyrical sense of of place and um, uh, weirdly I went to school in the village that he lived in and we used to go up to this memorial stone to him uh, we we actually went there to go drinking illicitly <laughs> um so he's been in my consciousness for a long time but um since then i've gotten into his poetry and it's really beautiful um uh kind of cracked subconscious um uh, sort of musings on 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 rambling down these lanes in this village and um, yeah so, so I like him. So just to take it like a step back yeah. into a, a kind of a dialogue that I couldn't fully comprehend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was something to do, psychogeography was something to do with the way that the urban landscape impacts mm. on how we move around it or urban architecture. Oh, and okay. there, was, there was, I read something about how architecture shouldn't be considered art because we should find our art in the spaces outside of it? Um, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's... I guess it's. Um, but you think of it more as... Well, a, I think of it as, like, not necessarily ur- as urban landscapes. Okay. Uh, uh, I, think, I think of it as, as like exploring all, all, all types of landscapes and basically um, it's the relationship between um, place and feeling for me. Okay. Um, like loosely, but maybe I don't actually know what psychogeography means. So there we go. <laughs> I, uh, what, what was, why, how did the book kind of sum up your feelings when, when you were given that, that? Yeah, I mean, what, what had you been doing or like, experiencing or practicing before, before you got that book that was, um, that was of, of such interest to you? Well, I, um, I, I, I was basically I, a few friends of mine um, growing up and, and myself got really into um, going on long walks quite, and on our own uh, as like an intrinsic sort of part of it and having kind of um, uh, these quite long sort of meditative um, uh, 
experiences on our own, which is it's quite funny like to claim it as a sort of group activity because the bit about being on your own is quite important. So we sort of go off um, on our own and then share our experiences. Um, so you, you would all meet up, but then you would, the walks you would be doing well, we singularly? We wouldn't be, yeah, it would just be like, I felt like it was kind of like, we were really into the fact that each of us was going off and having these very unique experiences. And then when we were together, if we'd meet up in a pub and kind of relate through, you know, like the, the shared thing of like, oh, you've walked that pilgrimage route or you've walked that long road from this place to this place. Um, uh, it, it's a bit like the fact that, you know, we all, as human beings, we all fall asleep every night and, and have these dreams, but, um, uh, we have we have these communal we have these kind of communal spirit experiences, but in 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 isolation. So it's like, how can we relate through the experience of like we've all been on these long voyages, kind of thing? And um, uh, with this this guy, so so in terms of um, the 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 psychogeography thing, I guess I'm maybe that is maybe that maybe I don't fully understand what that is and the kind of philosophy that I'm interested in is is one embodied by this writer Robert McFarlane who I know has been called a psychogeographer so that's why I sort of assume right. that he is like part of that I world. Mean, I'm really not saying that you're right or wrong in yeah, any yeah, sense yeah. I my my understanding doesn't go past a couple of articles on Wikipedia. Yeah well <laughs> I think there is I mean there is um I think that part, part of it for me like is um if you if you if I if I go out rambling if I walk through the marshes and um, along the River Lee and 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 just like set a place that I'm going to try and get to you know everything that happens to me on that walk is is a sort of valid part of my journey um, and and every experience every encounter every everything that I see and and that would that would include um, these you know urban environments it's not about like trying to kind of get to like a an a, a, a perfect sort of idea of what nature is it's mm. it's embracing um something kind of quite abstract in in the landscape that you don't know you're going to experience until it's sort of it's happening in quite a sort of um resonant way with you and the thing about being on your own and walking is that you you get to a pace where um you're you're experiencing it in a sort of, you know, moment by moment, like basis in the minutiae of of, of all of that stuff. Um, yeah, because I've I've walked up the River Lee mm. a couple of times. Uh, it's not in places. It's not idyllic. No, it's no. quite bleak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I did that in reverse from uh, from out of London into London right. with with Rob McFarlane and. Um, uh, and then we went and did like a, we, we, we did a joint lecture at St. Andrew's University, um, which was supposed to be a collaboration between um, uh, writers and musicians. And um, he wrote some poetry and I wrote a song and we, we like told the story of our, of our walk in this in this lecture and we projected um, images of the maps that we'd used and we we kind of charted our conversation um, as if we were sort of following the flow of a river. And, and then the different kind of memories uh, that the conversation triggered in us and the stories that we told each other were like, we saw them as sort of tributaries, tributaries of the river that we were physically walking along. And that, like that, that is, that's, that's kind of psychogeography. That's like, taking like a physical route and then like mapping the the you know avenues within your mind that 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 kind of you know illuminates and and does it also sort of take in it's cartography maps isn't it that's the name yeah cartography is yeah yeah that's the that's the the map making bit i mean like i'm you know yeah but i'm just guessing that you're not walking down the river with like google maps open on mm. your iphone Mm -mm. Been like, how long until we get no. there, Rob? Uh, yeah, Google yeah. Maps is saying twenty-two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We actually, on that occasion, like we we blown up some scans of like actual, um, uh, you know, proper like AA like walking maps or whatever. Um, 
ordnance survey maps. Um, but only because obviously like we're walking along a river, we can't, we can't get lost, but we wanted to know where like the, the old gunpowder mills were and like where the reservoirs were and like, and we didn't want to do that by looking at our iPhones. We wanted to have like the sheet yeah. in front of us. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's a, there's a sort of, it's, it's not, it's not, I guess the reason why I'm not interested in walking and having, it's not, it's not because there's like a, it's not a game or a task that I'm trying to complete. It's not like today we're going to do psychogeography. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's sort of, it's, it's like the art of um, uh, getting lost and being, um, being vulnerable to a flow of emotions and thoughts and feelings, which for me is really stimulating for being an artist. I remember reading an article about how when Western, tourists from Western cultures go away on holiday, they take with them their like art understanding of what constitutes a complete day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you wake up in the morning and you, you go to work and you're like, okay, these are my tasks for the day and you tick them off and then you go home and you're like, Done. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we we take that with us when we go traveling and we go on holiday and when we're you know exploring a new city so we don't just go and wander around it and look yeah. we, we go right okay i'm in paris i'm going to see the louvre i'm going to see the eiffel yeah. tower i'm going to see the champs elysees yeah and then you go tick 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 paris done yeah yeah <laughs> i i i find that attitude really frustrating like when <laughs> i encounter it i try not to be with anybody who has that um has that approach to anything because uh yeah my my thing would be to go to paris and maybe to go like um you know i'm gonna walk i'm gonna walk along the seine and eventually end up here but like you know if i decide to go you know in any which way or like if i meet somebody who takes me like on the back of his bike to some rave or something you know like i'll i'll do that um, that that's the primary like destination is experience you know right. that's like my my rule for life especially because so often in my life I'm like I'm literally being pushed into like in some direction by somebody because I have to get to a rehearsal or <laughs> a, you know or to to wherever we're shooting or um, you know on stage or something mm. or my kid needs picking up from school or whatever so uh so so i like i like taking time to 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 do these things uh it's i feel like it's what i did until uh until a certain age and i'm uh like it's what i it's how i lived all the time right and how okay. a lot of my friends did as well and i sort of assumed that everybody did and then i realized that i just had some really cool friends you know so where, were you living in London or were you living in, in, um, in, that, in the village that you mentioned before that I, I don't think I caught the name of? Oh, in, in Steep. Um, well, uh, no, I, was, I mean, I, was, I lived in London since I, was, since I left school. So I, like, I, had a, I had a gap here um, where I did a bit of traveling and did, you know, a, a bit of rambling with, with two other friends. We went um, in a camper van around Europe for six months, which was definitely an exercise in getting really lost like we had some places that we were trying to get to and we just it was before gps and all that stuff and our van was from 1976 or something and, and kept breaking down and we had to fix it ourselves because we had no money and, um uh that that was that was probably the first big adventure that i ever went on and set the set the tone really and those two guys that I travelled with um, are part of that kind of gang of people that that like going out and, and getting lost. Mm. Um, I, I went, uh, when I was about 22, I drove a band around Europe in uh -huh. a van oh, cool. on a bit of a, <laughs> a whim. Which band was that? Uh, they were from New York and they were called Holy Hail. Oh, okay. I used to write for this magazine who'd been out and interviewed them and they'd stayed in touch and they were coming over... To, to Europe and they were supporting this um, Brazilian ballet funk rap group called Bonje de Hole. Wow, ballet funk rap. Yeah, they, they had like a single, it was like Marina Gasolina. It was wow. like in the days of New Rave. Okay. You know, it was like 2007. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so this band were flying over and then some guy was going to give them some money for it or something. And then their funding got pulled at the last minute. And uh -huh. 
they couldn't afford to fly their driver out and because they were all American, none of them could drive drive right, stick. Right. Oh, yeah, so they yeah. needed someone to drive them around. I think they were all also a bit like, we don't really want to drive in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that sounds like a cool adventure. Yes, I just ended you... up jumping in the van and on, I was, and I, I, I guess I was technically the tour manager, right. but I was okay. also like a 22-year-old dickhead that right. <laughs> had <laughs> never driven in Europe before, had never driven anything more than like a Ford Fiesta. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I managed that's... to lose the sat-nav and my passport on the first night. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, no. What yeah, did you do? We just went on an adventure, you know. But Somehow you, uh... we made it to every venue in time for loading. Really? Did you... Um... Did you get, how did you get at home? Did you not need your passport? I did, I managed to get around the whole of Europe, the whole tour without a passport. Wow. I guess you don't need it for like driving between, you know, Germany and France. No, we did then. get kind of, I think I got pulled over once in Spain, but I just gave them my driving license and it was yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, we got to Madrid and I went to the British embassy and got an emergency passport. You did. Oh, and then cool. got back into Britain. Amazing. Yeah, but that was, that that definitely not having, like, having a sat, I mean, we we bought a sat nav eventually because it was getting a bit silly, but we drove around, like, Stockholm not knowing how to get to the venue, and we were pulled over to the side of the road, and this kind of, like, half-drunk, like, builder kind of ended up getting in the van with us and taking us to the venue and telling us all about how his wife was cheating on him. Right. And it was just so bizarre. And I bet that was kind of, um, you know, like, I bet you remember every sort of detail of, like, what happened on that trip. Like, if you went there and, like, retraced your set. I don't think... It's interesting, like, those are the kinds of experiences that I think are really, like, formative and important and 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 good to try and, like, recreate as much as we can, because... So you think they should be... I should recreate it? I should go back well, to Stockholm and No, I don't know. I mean, like, then... um, you know, I just think that <laughs> it's hard... It's, like, it's quite hard to get lost nowadays because of... Uh, I don't mean just physically like you know because we've all got google maps on our phone or whatever but right okay but sort of like there's a safety um uh thing that 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 we all have that's emotional safety that means like i don't know it's when i think of life before all of that stuff like i you know i think used to rely on strangers a lot more and therefore you'd have more interactions and you'd kind of like have to ask somebody for help and I don't know. Like directions. Direction, yeah. Um, but I feel like I've been in a lot of cars where you don't know where you're going mm. and I'm like, why don't we just pull over and ask for directions? Mm. Everyone's like, nope, nope, yeah. nope. Yeah, like, you wouldn't, yeah. Well, but this, they're going to know where it is because they live here, you know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. this real like... It, I don't know whether it's like um, like uh, like maybe a British thing of not that kind of not admitting defeat or not admitting that you you got something wrong. Mm. You know, like when you when you get off the tube at the wrong stop or you like get on the tube going the wrong way or something, and you, instead of just going like, instead of just being like ah oh, fucking getting off, you kind of do like some little like song and dance kind of number. You go ah yeah, 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 and you yeah. kind of make it look like something's happened and you you have to get off immediately and not yeah, 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 not yeah. just that you, you walked the wrong way or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think it's changed. I mean, the, yeah, I just think like it's changed. I feel like we're we're, we're slowly being re re hardwired like to kind of keep our heads down and and not not engage in our environment as much as um, we had to before we all had smartphones and right. Um, I remember seeing some picture like I mean I did see this on my smartphone but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a like a like meme thing and it was like this picture of a train platform in the morning and it's like everyone's just like head down and there's this just one guy out of this whole crowd who's just like looking up and it's just like what the fuck is he looking at yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's kind of yeah it's kind of like that I feel like yeah, I mean, there's, 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 yeah, and there's maybe um, a, a relationship to the world that we're forging through our screens that is, um, 
kind of has to come through a filter of um, a certain part of our brain that isn't like the whole and best version of ourselves. And um, I just think that like that isolationist sort of thing of, of like, it's because you can pick and choose like what you're looking at. It's about choice. It's, a, it's actually, it's your consumer self. Right. Um, the version of you that's looking at the screen and, and that, that, that part of you is like very judgmental and, and very short tempered and impatient and, um, and lacks compassion, I think. And I think that that part of you is the one that might go like, ah, there's too many people here or there's, I'm not, you know, this type of person is the type of person that I don't like or like, and that mm. quickly kind of spins out into something hard edged and politically divisive as well. Like, I think there's a relationship between, um, you know, what's happening broadly in the world and the, 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 like the, the U S election and the, and Brexit and stuff. And, and that part of us that's evolving, not just in technology, but mm. in the way our brains are, uh, are being forced to operate, you know, partly because of just like the amount of information we have to process. So we kind of like, but it's like, it's addictive. It, it, the phone I, thing. Do you ever? I don't know if you how many like apps you have on your phone, but do you ever like open Instagram and then scroll down it, and then you're like done, and you close it, and then you kind of just forget what you've done, and then you open Instagram again, and you're like, <laughs> I, you literally just looked at this. Yeah, I think yeah, it's filler, isn't it? It's taking up the space in your brain that would otherwise be thinking like, I think I'll go and see what that building is over there, or yeah, you know. Um, that's, that's for me is why it's quite nice having this framework of like always trying to, um, go on these adventures, basically. I feel like so, so much of, uh, of kind of texts that existed for children that I think I, you and I probably missed or just missed or just caught the end of uh -huh. when we were growing up, the kind of books like the Enid Blyton novels or, mm. um, what was it called? That that William kid that was always getting in trouble. Just William. Just William. Like yeah. these like little kids that used to like go off and run off on adventures, and they'd have yeah. like a crazy time, and then they'd like come back home. And now, to me, that just screams stranger danger. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. I feel like growing up, there was definitely a turn from children being free spirits and allowed to go out to like definitely not being allowed to go out unaccompanied mm. because the world is a dangerous place. Yeah. And perhaps having that kind of proximity to so much information and so much news and the most sensational news rising to the top because that's, as you say, our consumer selves. We don't mm. really want to mm. be fed things that are just dull and every day. We yeah. want something that will grab our attention and immediately make us go like, yeah. No, that's terrible. Yeah, I yeah, hate yeah. that person. Yeah. I hate this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps yeah, yeah. that is kind of ebbing away at the idea of, like, when you say, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go out for a wander down mm. the river in North London without anyone else or my phone. I'm like, mm. oh my God, I'm going to get attacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's just going to be really boring. Like. But that's the pro probability, is it? It's that, that uh, absolutely nothing will happen. But I feel like just I the don't know. amount of yeah, news I think, that I we... think the thing is that, well, that's, that's what you think, but actually I think um, so much more will happen to you probably than, than it would have done if you stayed at home and okay, all right. looked at your thing or What's like, happen to you me, know, <laughs> got the bus rather than walked like you did. I know, that, <laughs> no, to be honest, that was just because I, I stayed out a little too late last night and okay. I'm now old and constantly tired. Wow. Yeah, no, no, no. We, we, yeah, that's... That's the thing, isn't it? But yeah, I just think like, I always like, if I can always choose to walk places and, and like put my phone away. Cause I, I, th I just know that things will happen. And like, I also have this thing where I like look for opportunities to help people. And that's really fun. It sounds a bit like a bit kind of, I don't know, do goody kind of, but like, it's surprising how many people like, need a hand, you know, like right. if you're walking down the street and I think 
if you've if you've like made the like real sort of mission statements, you know, put your phone away and and be in that sort of state of alertness. It's just really, it's really rewarding. Whether it's like a, you know, I don't know, helping a blind person across the road or whatever, but or helping somebody <laughs> with their bag a or like person across the road. Uh, what well, have what I? You said? Yeah, Does I that like, actually. I, uh, that's, that's yeah, sounds... it, it happens, but I feel like people don't do it because um, they don't, they wouldn't notice. I think, and also, that three steps behind them is a blind person who right. might need a hand, or like. But also, it's. I think there's the other side to that, which is the side where you don't want to be knocked back, and the side where that person yeah. might want their independence might be important yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah. they might want you, to do I think, it I think well in that instance like I think you can't presume that people need help otherwise yeah you might be like the boy scout that is just told to fuck off but <laughs> like um, there's a way of doing it that's like it's it's fun it's fun interacting like uh, it, it sounds it, I now suddenly feel like I'm like doing it as a public like safety and you know like a, one of those kind of government chats about um staying out know, the how yellow to be box. in society yeah <laughs> but but actually like i think it's like we're i don't know like we're kind of forgetting uh, how to be how to be our best selves and i, I think about it a lot because you know you were talking about kids growing up with um all these threats and stuff and but my like my son who's he's six uh is is right at that age like he is pre-technology right now like he doesn't he maybe watches like one cartoon a week and his brain is totally different to mine he's so free and like so your kid doesn't have an ipad he doesn't have an ipad no i have an ipad sometimes <laughs> if we're on a really long car journey <laughs> and he's screaming at me and i'll let him use my ipad but only then uh he doesn't have an ipad or a phone or a, and he doesn't we don't really watch tv um so it's he just plays and makes stuff and um he would ask for it all the time if we let him do it but he mm. doesn't ask because we don't let him do it and um uh and he's like he's such a healthy guy you know he's like he even though london is you know quite dangerous for a six-year-old to go out in you know without unaccompanied like he's he's very adventurous and like there are places you can go and living near the marshes, it's cool. He can go off on his bike and I'll be nearby, but he can, you know, I'm not too freaked out if he disappears around a corner or whatever, um, or climbs a tree and I can't see him for a bit. Um, and I encourage that, that sense of adventure. Um, yeah, I just think like we can sort of take something from that. That's, that's my, it's no, nice I, I, I like that, and I, I do kind of miss that. You know, I grew up in, well, I, I grew up in Surrey, but I spent a lot of time in Wales, mm. uh, where my family's from. I think, I, I mean, and this is an absolutely terrible quote because I can't remember the source whatsoever, but I remember reading an article once about how we create these, like, these, these worlds for ourselves, and then all we want to do is escape them. Mm, so, mm. you know, you, you create your life in, in London and the city, and you're like, right, I want to live where all the action happens, and you mm -hmm. know, I want to be in amongst it, and you build your little flat and your group of friends, and then all you do is save up to go away on holiday. Mm. And you're like, I just need to leave the city. I just need to get out. Like, I need a weekend yeah. in the well, countryside. I think that's why, yeah, I think... I, I had that I had that for a long time and now I think the thing I love about um, living in East London and like yeah around here is this is the like the diversity of uh, experiences you can have and I feel like I'm quite close to quite a lot of nature now with the marshes and the river mm. and stuff and and yeah not all of it is um, like really pretty and stuff yeah. but but that's kind of that's kind of great as well like it's it's how you frame it and um uh yeah i feel less i feel like i feel more more drawn to just a sense of home now rather than like trying to kind of get out of the city because a lot of my work now is is off on location or on tour or mm. whatever so my pull is is now to home and my family and my kids who are stuck in school so it's like you know we can't 
just leave all the time. Yeah. But East London, you're right, it is such an amazing place. And it is, this, it, there are so many different experiences that you can have and mm. it's so diverse. I suppose in that sense, the, the, the sense of adventure doesn't have to be outdoors, doesn't have to be open spaces, doesn't have to be mm. nature. It can be urban as well. Yeah, but that's what I mean by like engaging in our environment mm. and and like you know it's uh, yeah every time I sort of say this you know it sounds I, I kind of bore myself but the whole thing like putting your phone away and like um, yeah just like altering like one part of your like routine to to try and sort of crack open your subconscious and and experience your surrounding in a different mm. in a different that's- way. I suppose the closest that I've probably ever gotten to doing this sort of, I suppose, to psychogeography, now, yeah. now I'm thinking about it, is, um, is running. Mm. So I guess it's similar to walking. It's just faster, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, run, yeah. Well, running, but I, that, well, running is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like I was in Dublin last week. And I, um, I was on like a, a boozy press trip. Uh-huh. And, I, and one evening I was like, I'm not drinking anyone I'm going to go to bed early because I was yeah. like I just want to get up early in the morning and just like go for a run around the city yeah and just mm. see like different parts of it because yeah. I think then whenever I go anywhere I always try and take my running shoes so mm-hmm. that I can just like go and see yeah, yeah, see yeah. the city and I find it it's a, a really good way because as you say you're not looking at your phone and I tend to go early in the morning when there's not as many people about yeah so you can kind of just run yeah yeah around that's definitely a good a good areas. way to do it I'd say yeah yeah I trained, I trained for the London Marathon like two years ago. Uh-huh. And I, yeah, I, I just got, I got to know the area around where I live so well. Yeah. Because every Sunday I would go for like a, like two, three hour run mm-hmm. and it'd be like all along the canal or like all, all up at the River Lee, mm-hmm. around the marshes mm-hmm. or like out around Stoke Newington and just, yeah, just got to know, really know the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's kind of amazing what's on your doorstep that you never, yeah. never yeah. even notice. And I think, yeah, and I like that thing of investing and engaging in your community through that, like, ritualized experience, even if it is the same commute that you have to make every day or whatever, but, like, that person that you always pass at the same time or, or like, or the shopkeeper or, you know, whatever, like, mm-hmm. going slightly further with that person than, than, than we're sort of, you know, taught to, taught to or, like, you know the way the way modern life exists now is you know that that keeping your head down thing and there's no like I've started to think that the antidote to um, to this sort of divisive faceless society that we live in is is to is to to make these kind of small personal contributions to to pay into my community and the people that I meet on a day to day basis. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, for anyone listening now who's thinking, I, I quite like the sound of psychogeography. I quite like the idea of going out and getting lost, mm. either in my community or my surroundings, or or further afield. Because I suppose it's, it's you know, it's, it's getting lost physically to a certain extent, but also getting lost mentally and taking a break yeah. and taking your headphones out and there's listening different, to the. Yeah, there's different ways of of thinking about it. It might not just be about like getting lost it's it's sort of um unblocking these pathways um physically and emotionally and philosophically that you didn't know existed it's kind Mm. of like having the faith or the courage to kind of say like i don't know anything i'm gonna um i'm gonna i'm gonna go out into the world with that sense and um uh yeah i guess i don't yeah yeah i mean i mean i don't know what the I don't. Maybe there is a much more literal sort of term, psychogeography, that has uh, mm. implications. But that's what it is for me. And what's the name of the writer that you were that you mentioned, Rob? Um, Robert McFarlane. Right. Okay. Um, and he's got um, uh, a series of books that are, are about walking, really. Um, one called The Wild oh, Mountains of the Mind is okay. the first one. And then the wild places, and then the old ways, and they're all kind of slightly different sort of emphasis on um, on on the same theme, which is which is yeah, which is going out into nature. And um, he, he he's been influenced by um, people like Edward Thomas, who I was talking about mm. earlier, who's a 
who was a nature poet and then a war poet uh, uh, in the early 20th century. And um, there's a Scottish writer and philosopher called Nan Shepherd who um, has spent her life um, uh, walking in the Cairngorms in, in Scotland. And she has this really nice um, uh, thing that she said, which is that when she she goes, uh, she, when she walks um, into the hills, it's not that she walks um, um, up the mountains or along the mountains or to the mountains. She walks into the mountains. And um, and in saying something like that, I think she's she's conjuring this like. Uh, idea of of um uh of of what's the word like traversing um something in an un, in a way that isn't immediately like apparent like by looking at it like you know walking into the mountain and it's mm. a it's a so the mountain is an idea rather than like an object and um and and an, an idea has no end so so she's 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 going deep into herself and into her environment to know herself and robert has these wonderful questions like what what do i know of myself that i can only know in this place and and then like rather perversely what does this place know of me that i can find out if i if i ask this place <laughs> how do you kind of do you keep records of, of the, walk, the walks of that walks. you've been on well I don't yeah do, I wish I could go on more it. trips to be honest but um yeah uh I mean I I guess I guess the thing is like I've been on a few um like epic walks and and sort of pilgrimages and things but um also to try and um carry that uh, as we've been talking about, carry some of that energy and, and um, momentum into into kind of everyday life and, and working life. Mm. Um, uh, that kind of openness, that's that's what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I do, I do, um, I guess as a, as a sort of, as an artist, if I can call myself that, like I, there is a real like impulse to document the walks like for instance i walked in 2009 or something i spent three weeks walking in um northern spain along this there's a there's a famous old uh pilgrimage route wow that, um there's 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 several routes and they all end up in santiago which is the town in northwest spain in galicia uh where they have the the, the bones of saint james who's uh iago in spanish i guess um and it's so it's an old it's an old kind of christian like pilgrimage route but it's 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 walked now by people of all faiths and for lots of different reasons and i definitely mm. didn't do it like as a uh as a as a christian um but it's it's really great because there's um quite clear kind of way markers and you don't you don't need to have your phone and okay you don't need a, so it's, you don't even need a map really got some signposts sort of but like there's the i said there's you know there's different routes and the, the one okay. that i chose is one that is 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 one that isn't done very often by people and it goes through the mountains and it was the the original way it's called the camino primitivo which means like the the first or the original way and it goes through the um, Picos de Europas and through the Asturias mountain ranges in North Spain, and uh, I was on my own with a with a one man tent camping in, uh, up in the mountains um, with a with a fire every night and uh, and having like a sort of terrifying sense of um, isolation and uh, which which you know was really exhilarating and. Um, uh, there are still like they're very rare but there are still bears in that part of wow. North Spain and wolves and lots of wild boars so like I was I was I had a strong you know sense of nature around me and I was like actually quite scared sometimes at night of but their noises and howls and yeah yeah there was one the, the very first night I spent in my tent I um uh I I was up um uh, up a mountain and uh, camping by a river 
there was a little clearing by the river and I was very naive and I'd like um, cooked a can of beans on the fire or something and I was feeling really kind of like, oh, this is going to be great, you know, like I'm, I'm up a mountain, I'm, I've made it, you know. And um, went to bed and um, just like as soon as I'd fallen asleep, I was wo- woken up by a low growling sound and I was in a, my tent, you know, it's a really lightweight one-man tent and um, uh, it's quite sort of close to the ground and it's green. And I, I was just kept thinking like, in this animal, whatever it is, because I don't know what it is, can't see it. I can't move because if I like rustle and make a sound, it might get alarmed and like maul me. Mm. Um, <laughs> hopefully it doesn't know that I'm here, you know, like, but of, of course it did. And um, and then it started prowling around. And at one point it, 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 it sort of stepped very close to where my head was and my body kind of rolled into the the dent that it was making in the leaves so i was thinking shit it's like a definitely really big whatever it is a bear or something and i still don't know what it was um but i was so terrified and my mind went to a place that was like it was like this is the devil you know like this is the worst this is evil incarnate you know because I was so full of fear I'd never experienced that kind of darkness before and um I didn't know what to do you know and then uh I was like I was convinced I was going to be like eaten alive (laughs) and then (laughs) and I got to this and then eventually I basically got to this really calm like kind of accepting place I don't know like something about encountering a wild animal that is much more terrifying than uh, a person because a person kind of adheres to the rules that you understand because you're a person too and so you can even if they're in reason you can speak you have a shared language you hopefully might or or at least some kind of shared yeah yeah you can pay them off (laughs) you know (laughs) or something but like yeah so I I, you know I just thought like this this bad I'm not going to be able to like do anything you know, or wolf or whatever it is um and it's and I, I think it's kind of cool that i never found out what it was I, I it it went away for a bit and then i went outside and i realized i was like you idiot you left the food out and uh, <laughs> so I tied that to a tree miles away went back lay down and then it came back and then it, this kept happening and i suddenly remembered like oh bears won't come after you if they know you're there. That's why when you're walking in, uh, in like um, uh, in North America, mm. in places where the birds are, you wear you sometimes wear bells on your shoes because if you if you warn them that you're coming, they won't. They'll just run away. They're scared. But if you suddenly surprise them, if you come right. around the corner and there's a mother and a cub, then she'll just lash out because she'll right, okay, defend yeah. herself. Um, so I was made a lot of noise and flashed my light around and stuff that it kept coming back and it was almost like it was just it was kind of after a while it became kind of ceremonial and like a ritual like if you can get to a place where you accept this situation and and kind of surpass the fear and uh you know embrace it then then you'll be okay and I and I sort of did even and I and I ended up sleeping with like a knife in my hand which is the only thing I had a small knife and my head torch and uh, I got through the night and I woke up like, like, like a new made man. It was the start of my trip. And I was like, I survived. I don't know what that was, but I'm here and everything is glistening and fresh and new. And I'm so happy. So yeah, so that was really good. Um, I kind of think, think that's like the epitome of this sort of experience that I might be looking for. <laughs> Suddenly, psychogeography is seeming less attractive to cast me. Cast <laughs> yourself into the. Have you? Into, so you've done quite a lot. Quite a lot of exploring. A little bit. Um, is that the kind of biggest, the most adventurous one that you've been on? Um, that was the longest one that I went on on my own. Right. I did a, I did a trip with, a, with a friend um, who also. Uh, is really into walking uh, in Turkey, also along an old pilgrimage route. And um, that was quite uh, hairy at times, We, because there are wolves in the mountains in southern Turkey. And we, we suddenly realized like that we were quite quite exposed to these wolves. And 
Um, well, there's wolves are like a, a, a big thing in Europe now, like a, a big issue. Really? Yeah. Coming the, back. I was reading an article about, I was reading an article in The Guardian. Yeah, yeah. I was reading an article about them in um, Finland, um, I think, because it's like rural farming towns which yeah. are having all their livestock destroyed by wolves, but wolves, uh, wolves are a protected species. Uh-huh. So it's, you can't kill them unless they are a direct danger, I think. And yeah, then they've yeah. been doing wolf culling, but there's still actually only a really small number of wolves in, in the area. So there's a lot of a big conversation over whether, yeah, you know, yeah. they, whether they should be culled. Yeah. And, you know, people in the cities going, I mean, it's, it's yeah. I suppose yeah. this exact same argument happens across many countries, but the people in the cities going, no, we need to protect the wolves. And mm-hmm. the people in the rural communities who are directly affected by them going, no, they're eating all our livestock. Yeah. Let's kill them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting that, isn't it? There's a lack of, lack of balance between... Mm. Um, yeah, you almost feel like 500 years ago that problem would, would have just sorted itself out because, you know there's enough enough space for the wolves to have their bit of land and then if they strayed into places where villages and farms were then like the villagers would be within their rights to protect their livestock and kill some yeah. wolves um but yeah no it's, it's a difficult one so i think you're in your well within your right to uh to worry about the wolves <laughs> yeah on your on your pilgrimage yeah. well you can hear that like we we, we lie awake at night you know uh listening to them howling and just think, fuck, are we, are we okay? <laughs> they <laughs> we don't, don't, they don't generally attack people though. Right. From what I've read. Yeah. But I mean, that, that is, I, I probably would be singing a different song if I were in a tent around a pack of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's the idea of them. Um, but I'm less, I'm less afraid, like having had those experiences, I'd be, I'd be kind of, um, I'm quite excited about going back just because there's that, that roughness to the uh, to the experience and it's not yeah it's not safe thank you yeah right. I hope that's okay no it's good I'm not gonna put my headphones on now I'm just gonna go out into the day yeah yeah no phone no headphones I think it's good anything can happen anything can happen I really enjoyed that conversation. What a beautiful and inspiring young man, Johnny Flynn. A big thanks to Johnny for taking the time out to talk to me and also to Sinead, his PR, who set it all up and gave him that book on psychogeography. Don't forget, you can follow us at Best Fit Music on Twitter. You can follow me as well at Jen Long. And please subscribe to this podcast if you want to hear more. We update it every week or so, talking to a brand new artist. Next week, I'll be back talking to Nadine Sharp all about mental health. This is Talk the Line. See you soon. <laughs>